Welcome back to Drunk on Porvis. Uh, it's been a while. This is our Loose Ends episode of 2021, but it does have some stuff in it from 2020, and it was recorded yesterday in 2022. So there's a lot going on, as you will see when you listen, um, but we just, we hope you enjoy. Wow, these... uh intros are getting real lazy. Okay. Um, (laughs) Sit back, relax, have a drink, and yeah. You're recording. We're recording. Uh, I was going to ask you what whiskey you're drinking. Um, Isle of Skye. It's a blended scotch whiskey. Uh, Christmas whiskey um, yeah I haven't had a chance to get that other whiskey that I was talking about but um, yeah does the job and chasing it down with a Grimbergen blonde oh wow you've um, gone to town today that's good I think that's a Belgian beer Belgian wheat um, it's not very nice but someone left it at the house so okay. <laughs> nice we have a few of those too. We've got like a chocolate stout that someone left and it's awful. It's, I gave it a try too. I was like, yep, green eggs and ham. I'll give it a go. But no, it was awful. Yeah. Awful, awful. Pardon? It's a tough life. <laughs> yeah, we live tough lives, don't we? Eating popcorn and nuts and drinking alcohol. I was just thinking before we started this, I mean, because we don't have the greatest mics, I, we won't hear the munching of the popcorn, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm just, I, I was just hesitating about putting a nut in my mouth right now. <laughs> but mm-hmm. as well as, yeah, here we go. <laughs> I heard a big crunch, but it could have just been <laughs> because I was looking for it. Uh, I wonder what the most annoying food we could eat on the podcast could be. Probably nuts. You think nuts? Well done, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Okay, shall we get right into it? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy loose ends. This is a bit late, Mm. but we usually do end of the year, but we've been busy. So it it goes hand in hand with the theme of the episode, doesn't it? Loose ends and is late. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So you should all be expecting this from us, 100%. This was not supposed to happen end of December 2021. There was no way that was happening. No. No way. Okay, well, should we just go in order of our list, Josh? Yeah, well, I think you should start because the first point I actually forgot totally to research and I only realized before recording. So um, this is definitely your point to to talk about that is fine as long as you can hopefully you have a bit of information and knowledge of on your own that you could just fill in the gaps we'll find out we'll find out maybe okay (laughs) well to start us off really good in the notes you put um clavis instead of clavis which sent me like on a different route in google for longer than (laughs) i want to admit like, I was like, this doesn't sound like what we had to do. Like this, and then it like showed up as like cl- Clovis. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Clovis people. Oh, so I wrote Clovis, did I? Yeah, you wrote Clovis. 
Oh, okay, well done. <laughs> <laughs> so we're off to a really good start. <laughs> um, so for those of you who may not know, and I also don't remember that this is already, we've started really badly. I don't remember where a lot of these points were from, what episodes in the year. So if you remember yeah. that. So I had a bit of difficulty with remembering where this one was from too, because basically how I organize it is I, in the notes, in the shared notes we have, I write the point that wasn't dealt with and then the episode that it was from. And in this one, I just wrote Loose Ends 2020 and my brain, I didn't quite understand what episode that was from but of course it's from the last loose ends episode because we mentioned something in the last loose ends episode and now we're getting around to actually talking about it because we didn't know what we were talking about that back then so this is that note is over a year yeah oh shit okay no wonder i had no idea what we were talking about <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. the second one is too actually the second one is which what point is Oh yeah, but that was an easy, that was easy. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, it wasn't a, like a detailed question that I had to answer. You'll, no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. Culture. <clears throat> so for anyone who doesn't know, including Josh and myself, uh, Clovis people were considered until recently to be the ancestors of the most indigenous peoples of the Americas. So the people that came over to the new world, what they thought was until recently, 13,000 years ago. Um, they came over from Northern Asia to the New World, um, but they are now saying, so our point, I'm all over the board tonight, our point was, <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet, so this wine is hitting me, <laughs> our point was that the Clovis culture may not have been the first people to have colonized the Americas, yeah, so I'm okay. starting off with, this is what the Clovis people are, this is who they are. Yeah. Um, so we, for the longest time, we thought that they were the first Americans coming from Northern Asia to the new world. Um, but new archeological finds have determined that there may have been, um, humans there before this time. Right. And that's really weird for me because I, I did, yeah, I, I've always thought that the Clovis, I didn't know the Clovis culture. I had read about it and it's always been said, that it was the first culture to, to cross the, um, the Bering yeah. Bridge, yeah. Uh, which was a land, it was basically the sea between um, Russia and Alaska yes. uh, was very low, so people could cross over that bridge. Yeah. And yeah, everyone thought that the Clovis people were the first people to cross that. To make that journey, yeah. yeah. There was like a, there was a narrow pathway route of some sort that wasn't as um, frozen, wasn't as yeah. ice. So they were able to get across and that's how the new world came to be. Yeah. So we thought until recently. Right. So um, this is an article from the first Americans by the scientific American uh, quote for decades. Scientists thought the first Americans were Asian big game hunters who tracked mammoths and other large prey eastward across a now submerged landmass known as Beringia that joined northern Asia to Alaska arriving in the Americas some 13,000 years ago. These colonists were said to have journeyed rapidly over land along an ice-free corridor that stretched from the Yukon to southern Alberta, leaving behind their distinctive stone stools, stone tools, stone stools, stone tools across what is now the continuous U.S. Yeah. So that's kind of a nice quote to summarize what we've just been talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, but um, new evidence in both North America, and we should, I should clarify when I say the Americas, I do mean North, South, and Central. I mean yeah. that bit of landmass. Um, so there's new evidence in Southern Chile where remains were found of humans older than what when the Colvis, Colvis people were um, thought to have arrived. Right, cool. And then there's also this evidence prompted archaeologists to look further in North America, where they confirmed in Oregon the same thing. They found stone tools that have dated back to like 15,000 years ago, um, which is before we know when the Colvis went over. Um, so they think, so the question is like, where did these earliest Americans come from? What route did they take? How did they manage to get there? Not through this um, landmass that wasn't ice. Um, so this is, um, that was, that's, I think that's kind of what I have to answer that. Yeah, question. that's really interesting though, because is we're always discovering new things about the humankind and how we are, you know, when we arrived in different places and when we first became humans and all this and all the dates are always being pushed back, like the invention of tools and all this. It's always evolving and it's just, it's kind of weird, isn't it? But I suppose it's natural because we haven't found and will never find all the archaeological remains of, of our cultures. So yeah, kind of makes sense. But if you think of the geography of the Americas, you can't really sort of imagine a different way for people to have um, got to South America. Yeah. It just that seems like the natural route over the Bering um, Bridge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that covered, hopefully that kind of covers up that loose end a little bit. So. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose so. Because the question is, yeah, there, there's evidence showing that the Clovis culture wasn't necessarily the yeah. first culture to arrive there. Yeah. I don't know what the yeah. context is around that fact, but there yeah. it is. That's the fact. And yeah. we now know no, as archaeologists now. It's a good thing to keep an eye on, um, sort of, you know, research-wise. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so second point was we discussed cheddar cheese and the place. I, in the, yeah, in the last Loose Ends episode, I don't know why we were discussing cheddar cheese in the first place, but we discussed <laughs> it in the last Loose Ends episode. And basically, <laughs> better notes. We we didn't know whether the place was named after the cheese or vice versa. Uh, I don't know what you found, but I found that they yeah is is pretty much um, the net the cheese is named after after the place. The, the place came first um, for sure. That is also yeah. what I have. Checks notes. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> Checks out. It's a small town in Somerset, right? Yeah, and I, I've been actually. Um, it's quite close to Bristol. Um, so I've, I've been, there's a nice little hike around the whole gorge and there are some wild ponies and stuff. Um, oh, and I've got a magnet of the place on my fridge, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, it's quite a nice little pubs um, in the actual village. Um, but yeah, apparently the place dates back to the 12th century, at least the first record. Uh, oh no, sorry, that's for cheese. So the first cheeses date back to the 12th century. Rec the first record of a cheddar cheese dates back to the 12th century, hmm. uh, when cheeses were named after places rather than the method of production. And hmm. this changed during the 19th century. 
And now we tend to name cheeses after the method of production rather than the place. Can you give um, an example of that? A method of, of production cheese. Sorry. 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> if looks could kill. <laughs> Thanks for that's um yeah genuinely curious I'm like, first time this year. <laughs> what cheese do we name after production of the cheese oh god I <laughs> i'm gonna look can you please add it to our loose ends no. <laughs> okay so i have to Albert. oh god so um no i can't think of okay. any methods um because of course it's always very difficult to think of something on the spot I'll look it up I'm after. Just writing it into um, <laughs> episode three. <laughs> it's going to be a year from now. Why are we talking about production methods of cheese? Cheese making methods. Right. Great. Okay. So where was I? <laughs> so continue as you were. So yeah, if you think about it, cheddar cheese is now made all over the world and it's especially popular in America, but it's still named after the place. And yeah, the village of Cheddar was first mentioned around 880. And it was first named, um, C well, it was first spelt C-E-O-D-R-E. -E. So I don't know how you'd pronounce that. Yeah. And then that name sort of chained to Cedar in the Doomsday Book, um, which apparently means sheer water. And that's probably got something to do with um, the little waterfalls or something around there because it's a big gorge basically so okay. um, I think that's what it's got to do with but um, yeah so the place definitely gave the name to the cheese because what happened was there were lots of little tunnels and stuff and um, have you heard of uh, the Cheddar Man? No. So Cheddar, Cheddar Man is the oldest um, the oldest remains of a human found in the UK. Well, I, mean, I mean, that's probably changed now. Um, as we discussed, things like that are always changing. But yeah, for a long time, yeah. he was the oldest sort of human to be found in the UK. And he was, he was found in one of the caves. There were loads of caves there. And because there are lots of caves, um, people used to produce cheese in the caves. So they, they'd make cheese in caves because it's a, um, it's a nice stable uh, temperature in caves so you can let yeah. the cheeses develop yeah. um, and ferment in those environments and it's perfect um, great sort of humidity levels that don't change and all this so it's perfect and um, yeah they just started making cheeses and they named the cheeses after the place um, because that's what you do um, all the 19th so, century yeah. yeah well until the 19th century for some reason and then apparently we started using the method of production uh, to, to name cheeses. Oh, weird. I'm seriously getting off this call and looking that up right away. That's, <laughs> That's a great one. That's so good. So, yeah, I don't, did you have anything to add about cheddar cheese? Um, no. Um, to be honest, my notes for this were quite straightforward. Same thing as you, 12th century. Um, it became quite popular with English nobles and um, was a number one cheese at many royal banquets. Yeah, did. and it, it, it remains the number one cheese in the world in terms of um, uh, volume of production. Hmm. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. I mean, 
it's not real like it's American cheddar, you know, all the plastic stuff. Um, right. It's not real cheddar, but um, yeah. it's got the name on it because of the way it's produced. So yeah, on paper, it's the highest volume of cheese in the world. Right. Still, still makes sense, even if you count don't count those like, awful American cheese slices. Um, yeah, cheddar is still a very, very popular because you've got red cheddar, white cheddar as well right so i guess if we're lumping them all into one category yeah nice yeah awesome Alrighty. um this is next one i could find very little information on badger oh stuff. yeah yeah same here it was okay. such a an annoying one to research from what i could find it's the extra t it's just like an arbitrary addition yeah so i don't know add it at one point i don't know if people caught that but um this point is about the origin of the word set as in badger set. So um, their tunnels where they live, their, their burrows. Um, and that was in the shelter episode. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that we do know where that's from. Yes, we're now, <laughs> now we're moving on. We're moving on to the actual 2021 episodes rather than the loose ends from 2020. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, okay, yeah, that's crazy. Ooh, yep. Um, yeah, so basically what I find, I tried to look through the etymology and the origin. Um, at one point they were saying it came from the French set, like S-E-T-T-E. I think you might have found that as well, as in like an origin or like a... Um, I read that somewhere, but yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and then obviously when you try, I tried agricultural set, which is just, they described as like a piece of area. Um, underground and then they used badger sets as an example so it was just you know I was like well I know this um, it, so I never actually found the meaning of why it was two t's other than at some point they just had it as written like old English it was two t's you know that's that's and it just stuck yeah, yeah. so I found pretty much the same thing as you um, the word may just be a variant of the word set with one t so yeah. for some reason either through spelling mistakes or whatever someone added a t and then it just became a separate word yeah um i did find that the noun set with one t um i'm quoting here the noun set was in middle english but only in the sense of religious sect late 14th century mm -hmm. which likely is the direct source of some modern meetings such as group of persons with shared status habits etc so maybe the words maybe they sort of saw badgers living together in groups and sharing the same space and obviously same habits and stuff and they just sort of attributed the same meaning to badgers maybe but i mean there's no clear um explanation of why a badger set is called a badger set like you just there's nothing written well on the internet there's nothing written anywhere there's yeah. no explanation and i remember thinking it was interesting because we don't call anything else a set like no. it's, it's a fox den right um yes. so same thing with badgers you'd say badger den but for some weird reason and this is why we were like we have to find that out why is yeah. it a badger set but nothing else is a set and what happens when a fox moves into a badger set does it become a fox Den. 
in the set. <laughs> like, yeah, on technicality terms, I'd say yeah. it then becomes a fox den because there's, and this is something we also looked into, there's no actual like real difference, um, like underground, like they're underground holes. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing. They're yeah, they're burrows. Yeah. But I mean, it's sort of the same. It reminds me of, you know, collective nouns of things. Yes. Like a murder of crows. Maybe that's like, yeah. Why the fuck did you, did anyone think of just sort of using a collective noun for uh, different, like different collective nouns for things? Yeah. Like, what, you, what, um, what's the collective noun for humans? Is it a crowd, I suppose? I. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting more loose ends and solving loose ends in this. <laughs> I think it's probably a crowd. I'm going to take a risk and just say it's a crowd. It's a crowd. Oh, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's why, why can't you just say a group of something? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So, yeah, a set is, is just it's a really weird one. Um, but I suppose there must be loads of words that we just don't know about. But um, researching this, I did find a really good website if you do want to learn more about badgers and that's the badger trust uk website and that's just it's really well laid out and sort of very clear um with good information and i found some really weird species of badger um across wow. the world so uh, i think one of them was called sort of uh, the greater hog badger or something like that there's the south um southeast asian species and it looks a lot more like a pig hence the name um so it's got a really long snout um with a big sort of pig nose on it uh, and it's sort of yeah it looks like a cross between a badger and a pig it's really quite weird so that's worth a look and there was also something called the stink badger um but actually they are old world relatives of the skunks and they're not badgers at all okay that yeah that makes sense <laughs> i get that now stink yeah. i was so, like yeah. badger i know that skunk <laughs> is that what you call them in canada no we call them skunks oh. Oh, no. okay. just in my head i was like stink badger that sounds like something i was just having <laughs> a stupid moment <laughs> and you know when you have an american badger and obviously you get American badgers in Canada because you know they don't care about yeah um, borders yeah borders. Do you then call that a Canada badger? Uh, one hundred percent. As soon as it crosses the border, Josh, we're like American <laughs> Canadian badger. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, is that is that all you got on that? That's that's all I have. Hmm. Yeah, that was disappointingly that was all I could find. Yeah, you know what? That's the one I'm most disappointed about. I really was hoping we'd find out why it's actually called a badger set. Yeah. And yeah, why yeah. no all one else other, uses a set. All the other points we've nailed. Oh, 100%. Um, COVID? And, yeah. But set is going to stay a mystery. So, yeah, I'd love it if someone did actually bother to sort of write in or whatever. I'll make it a thing. I'll start posting. I'll start posting more, yeah. first of all, on social media. And second of all, I'll post about badgers more. You should get a an etymologist on the show. Oh my god. Yes. And ask them. That's a great idea. Okay. Yep. Next next interviewee. Next interviewee will line up a bunch of etymology questions we need answered and we'll just go through them. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Specialist wildlife etymologist. Yep. Beautiful. 
Okay. Leopard. I know where this one's from. Yes. Yep. Easy. Um, leopard slugs and their length. Yes. Okay. So this was from the Valentine episode. Yes. I was waiting for you to say that. Sorry, I thought I just—I was just gonna let you take it. So, I just thought I'll let Josh just—I was—I'm gonna let him run with him. So yeah, the, the length of a leopard slug. We weren't quite sure when we were talking about it with Tom on the Valentine episode. Um, do you want to take this one, or was it my turn? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember either. I don't have much on it, so I can just say what I have. Okay. Well. I found that the maximum length for one was about 20 centimeters, but usually they're found to grow to about sort of 15 centimeters long. Yes. So that's what I found too. So now this is the interesting wrench I'm going to throw in. Yeah. Um, so I was reading because I knew this was the Valentine's Day episode. So I was, I was like, oh, did we talk about like penis length at all? Because they have a weird mating ritual. So then I yeah. went... I was like, we know I went in, I found 20 centimeters at most in length. But then I was like, was there a weird thing we didn't find out about their penises? So I looked into that. And there is one Italian species, apparently, of leopard slug that can have a penis of 60 to 90 centimeters long. Now, this was only verified on two sources. They were reliable, but I also was unable to find any actual, like, footage or, you know, like, image. But they don't have penises. Not penises, but like what they were using. Remember the leopard slugs we did? Yeah. We talked about how they had like, they, they came out of their heads and it like, they rotated around. Kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, it comes out of their head, doesn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. So okay. apparently some Italian species of leopard slug has, can yeah. have like a penis, quotation, 60 to 90 centimeters long. That's nearly a meter long. That's ridiculous. That's a meter to a meter and a half, yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe it either. I don't believe it either. And it's also something I'd really like to look into further. Yeah, that's really weird. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, leopard slugs aren't even the biggest slugs. I can't remember which one. I think uh, we, we mentioned the banana slug and other species during the episode. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, 20 centimeters long for a slug is pretty big. But... Yeah. I don't know if that's sort of if you stretch it or if you just if that's normal length. But um yeah. It's sort of yeah, it varies between 15 and so I think 20 centimeters is sort of the max. Yeah. Um that has been recorded. Yeah. Um but yeah, interesting dimensions for the sexual organs to be like where does it if it's, if the slugs sort of 20 centimeters long how does it fit something that's 90 centimeters long inside it? So this is what I was interested about because then yeah. I thought, oh, is this special Italian leopard slug bigger that we just, but that doesn't make sense as well either, right? Hmm. I was thinking like if the general one species is 20 centimeters and then another must, the Italian one must be bigger in order for the penis to be bigger. Yeah. No, something to look into. I just thought yeah. it was interesting. So, I mean I just did that. I just found that, you know. Yeah. Having said that, um, I think there's a fruit fly. I don't know if we mentioned that on the podcast, on the episode. Uh, a fruit fly whose sperm is bigger than itself or longer than itself or something like that. I think we did touch on something like that. Yeah. Or was it bed bugs? Uh, 
No, no, it was it was Fruitfly. I've, I've sort of read it a few in a few different places. Um, yeah. I, I don't know which species exactly, but um, its sperm is bigger than it, and I think it only produces one sperm or something. It would have to because I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it literally cannot any more than that. I mean, it sounds it's, it's so weird. Um, it's just you can't imagine. I mean, you have to see it, but I I don't. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like something out of Alien. It is horrible. Yeah, it doesn't sound real, does it at all? Yeah. So the leopard slug. I, I was just sort of. I I mean, we the thing the fact that we were trying to verify was the length, so that was quite easy to verify. But um, then I was sort of just reading about it a bit, and um, it's been introduced to a lot of places. So it's actually endemic to Europe, but it's been spread across the world. So it's not great. But in its native range, um, it has been found to regulate the numbers of the Spanish slug. And the Spanish slug is an introduced species within the southwestern endemic range of the um, leopard slug. So. If you have a garden in the southwestern European area, um, don't get rid of leopard slugs and just let them regulate the number of Spanish slugs. Um, and of course, I'm excluding Spain from that southwestern <laughs> um, European area. <laughs> that southwestern European area minus Spain. <laughs> minus Spain and Portugal. <laughs> But yeah, um, the Spanish slugs have the big orange ones and they're sort of spreading them all over the place. I don't know if they're sort of very um, harmful to the environment or whatsoever. I, I think that I did breed somewhere that um, nothing really eats them um, outside of their native range. So that's why they're a bit of a problem. Right, just going I don't through. know if you get them in the UK, actually. I don't think so, but I'm not sure. When was the last time you went slug hunting? Well, that was exactly my point. I was like, oh, I've never seen <laughs> one, but like, when have I ever actually tried to find one? <laughs> also, you live in Manchester where sort of pretty much all the buildings are orange and the Spanish slug is orange. So even if they were sort of clinging to the walls, you might not notice them. Actually, yeah, they're probably really well camouflaged in Manchester. Yeah. I'm going to go on a lookout now for some Spanish slugs. Yeah. If I'm thinking of the right slug, I do see them on my runs occasionally. Okay. They're, they're, I mean, they're bright orange. You, yeah. You'd know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It's always weird when you see them in the woods because everything's sort of greenish and then suddenly you get this bright orange. Yeah. Uh, well, not in autumn, but um, in during the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the slugs. I don't know. That's all I had on slug. That's all I had on slug. Last cool. one, Phoenix Origins. Yeah. This was a more recent one, but I also don't remember which one it was, which episode. Yeah, it was um, the Eternal Life episode. So that was actually the last one, I think. Okay, so my memory is just going. Yeah, yeah that's really bad. <laughs> that's really bad. Good to know. Great. I'll, I'll check that out. Um, would you like to start or should I start? No, go ahead. Okay, so what I found is that what they think is that the myth of the phoenix was taken from the Egyptian tradition and an Egyptian um, mythological bird called Bennu, Bennu, 
Um, and this bird venue is associated with the solar cult um, of Heliopolis, so the city of the sun. Um, it was depicted in Egyptian art as a heron or heron. How do you say? Heron. Heron. <laughs> I've heard. Heron. I've heard. Okay, before you go, that I'm all wrong. I've heard heron. By who? Two people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I swear, I have. Okay. Well, English people. Yeah, I think so. And and I think I thought at first it was just the accent. Heron. Oh, it might be the accent. Could be the accent. I think it might have. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've. I've so Heron. now on. Now I know. Heron. You're the master, Heron. <laughs> Heron. Well, I, I say Heron, but I mean I don't speak like everyone else. So. There you go. Algae, algae. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's an American. That's an American English thing, though. Algae, isn't it? No, I've always. I grew up saying algae. Yeah. And then I heard David Attenborough say algae. Yeah. And I thought that was quite weird. Uh, yeah, I think it's an American yeah. English thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I've never heard anyone say hearing. <laughs> hearing. <laughs> it sounds good, though. It was definitely the accent then, or I misheard or something. <laughs> but yeah, I like it. It's just, <laughs> it's fun. No, well, um, <laughs> um, <anyway>. So <laughs> it was depicted in Egyptian art as a, as a heron, as we know, yeah. as we know them today. Um, um, it's associated with, and obviously this, where also the Phoenix stuff comes from, venue, the bird was associated with rebirth, creation, and the sun. So the idea is that the Phoenix goes up in flames every 500 years and is reborn in the ashes. Um, so our question was, where did this Phoenix mythology come from? Right? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and just to, sorry, just to touch on the heron, um, heron okay. <laughs> Uh, I read. I read something that the the Bennu heron might have been um, inspired by a now extinct species of heron. I don't know if you read that. I didn't read that. Tell us more. So, is there's an an extinct species of heron which um, lived um, in sub-Saharan Africa, and there's a. I mean, basically, the uh, paleontologists find, found sort of a tiny bit of bone, but apparently they know it's heron um, and they even gave dimensions for it so uh, they called it the Bennu heron because they think that that was what the um, Bennu bird was based upon and they estimate that it could have reached two meters in height that's six foot six Holy shit. Um, with a wingspan of 2.7 meters which is 8.9 feet well, that's huge that's huge like for just imagine your everyday grey heron just sort of doubled in, I don't, I, yeah, doubled That's, and tripled. I don't know. Immediately, it's, my it's, mind went to you've been to Australia, the cassowary. Yeah. Those yeah. like that's kind of like that size, maybe even a bit bigger of a heron. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know how tall an ostrich is. I think an ostrich is about. I, I wouldn't imagine an ostrich is taller than two meters, um, but maybe it is. But two meters for a bird is huge yeah that is huge so that was cool yeah i mean an ostrich is like a lot of neck too right well it's a lot of neck too but it's a lot of legs as well yeah but it's um so it was this Bennu heron was um is bigger than the now uh, than the biggest species of heron 
which exists now, yeah. uh, which is the Goliath heron, which also lives in a similar range to the um, Bennu heron. Um, but the Goliath heron is sort of a big beast um, as well. I think it's like one meter fifty or something like that um, tall. But <laughs> this one apparently they think it might have reached two meters, which is huge. But yeah, the phoenix might have been based on that bird, which is quite cool. Hmm. Interesting. Didn't know that. Didn't have that. Um, oh well, sorry. Um, I, I've I, I've just noticed I've got a quote about it actually. Yeah, go for it. Um, the Bennu, oh no, this is about the Bennu bird. So this is about more of a mythological bird um, in ancient Egypt. So the Bennu was pictured as a grey, purple, blue or white heron with a long beak and a two-feathered crest. Occasionally it was depicted as a yellow wagtail or as an eagle with feathers of red and gold. In rare instances, the Bennu was pictured as a man with the head of a heron wearing a white or blue mummy dress under a transparent long coat. Oh wow, that's an image. So that's lots of different things. It is a lot. It's a lot going on there. I I don't know if you can picture a yellow wagtail. I can. They're tiny. Yeah. Compared to an eagle or a heron. Plus the head of. Yeah. That's also weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I think the, the, it might have been a combination of lots of different birds. I guess it's kind of like it's a god, right? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mythical being. It's a mythical being, exactly. So it's got some sort of yeah, right. Okay, that makes sense. But still, still a weird image. Yeah. So sorry, I interrupted you. I think you were going to. I don't think so. Uh, no. Okay. I don't. I think you think you got it. I think my question was kind um, of. We don't know where. Obviously, this is just a mythological being that they've created to make an understanding of their world at the time. And I don't think we yeah. can get further back than that in terms of origin of the phoenix. No, and I think the Bennu heron is probably sort of quite a solid idea. Mm. Um, I did find that it was quite interesting reading about the phoenix because it's found in many other cultures throughout history. So we, we sort of, the earliest records are probably ancient Egypt. But then uh, there was a Persian phoenix, which was known as the Huma. Um, and then the Greeks adopted the word Bennu, but then they added the word phoenix. So, and they, they sort of depicted it as an eagle or a peacock. So that's much more the phoenix that we in the Western world today sort of a picture, especially, yeah. you know, if you think about the phoenix in Harry Potter, it's very much a mixture between an eagle and a peacock it's got those yeah. long tails yeah and the tail feathers um, but it flies it, yeah like it eagle. doesn't doesn't look like a heron no it doesn't at all yeah mm -hmm. so that was interesting and then there's uh an asian uh well there are different asian um phoenixes so in china they called it the feng huang and it appears in times of peace and uh it's slightly different because it's truly immortal instead of being reborn um, from ashes right and then in Judaism the phoenix was said to be the only animal to not follow Eve in tasting the forbidden fruit wow so all the other animals apparently I didn't know this um Eve sort of said told all the other animals in um paradise to uh taste the forbidden fruit too and the phoenix was the only one to say no 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 I'm not doing it fuck off um, and 
he or she, I don't know if a phoenix is a she or a he. Don't know. Interesting. Um, <laughs> was the phoenix was then at, um, uh, given eternal life um, as a uh, recompense for um, not saying yes to, to Eve. So okay. that's why in Judaism, that's the explanation for eternal life granted to the phoenix. And then, of course, um, the phoenix became a, a sort of perfect symbol for uh, Christianity because um, yeah. it um, mirrors the resurrection of Christ. So right. sort of perfect, really, for that. But it's interesting how it's been used from, you know, throughout history, from ancient Egypt right up until now yeah. um, as a symbol. Yeah, and you know, you, you say phoenix to most people. You it's it's part of a common language to rise from the ashes, yeah. um, like a phoenix. Is yeah. um, it's a really cool myth. Yeah, it's so common that we don't even recognize it. And when we did the podcast episode, and we were like, "Hey, what are the origins of this?" Like, it's just such a common term used in language yeah. that no, no one like, what is the origin of it? So it was kind of cool that we could yeah. go back and do that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one last point, whenever I say Phoenix or think about Phoenix, I always think about Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. And like, why the hell is it named after Phoenix? Because it doesn't seem very American to sort of name something after Greek or ancient Egyptian mythology, right? Right. But at that point, it was part of our Western culture. And apparently... Phoenix was built upon the ruins of a Native American site, and that's why they called it Phoenix because they sort of had the impression that they were sort of rebirth. Their city was being born from the ashes of um, the American site. So, wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good look into that, though. Yeah, no, I think it was quite a good um, website I found uh, for that one. It was, um, where was it? It was. New World Encyclopedia, and they had an entry for Phoenix in the mythology section. So mm -hmm. if you want to check that out, it's, I think there's lots of interesting stuff to read there. Yeah, I will. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll find out um, what kind of cheeses were made after or named after methods of production. Oh, I can't think of any. <laughs> oh, my mom's probably shouting at me right now. Well, in your defense, like I also cannot think of anything. Gouda, cheddar, uh, Roquefort, that's the place again. Feta, uh, halloumi. None of these yeah. sound like methods of production. Well, halloumi might be, actually. Should we, I'll look, we'll look it up. We'll look it up later. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think of cheeses, of modern cheeses, because it's sort of that's exactly it's past the mid of the 19th century, so that's quite recent. And most cheeses, I'd argue, are quite old. I would agree. In their, in their methods. Yes. Yeah. So like Emmental and uh, Cantal. Um, yeah. Very interesting. Well, we'll, we'll tell you next year. Tell you next year. <laughs> it's so good. I can't wait to come up to that note in 2023. <laughs> like, oh, oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, geez. How's it made? Hmm. Okay, well, Happy well, New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Well done, Josh. We made it through. Made, <laughs> it through. made it through another year and made it through another Loose Ends episode. Well done to us. Well, well done. Well done. Cheers. I've, I've finished my wine, so.
Um, we'll have to go get another glass when we're done here. All righty. Are, are you going to cut here? I'm going to cut here. Oh. <laughs>